thank you so much for joining me today on Exactly. I've had the best time over the last few weeks chatting to my amazing guests. Natalie Wynn, aka ContraPoint's insights into envy were absolutely invaluable and so interesting. It's a subject I've wanted to talk about for so long and I'm so glad that I got to go into depth with it. Blair Romani's perspective on faith and sexuality was a masterclass in nuance and holding space for complex feelings. I laughed so much with Iona about fuckboys and with Victoria about loving performing. I'm just loving the breadth and depth of knowledge and experience that this season's guests are bringing. I fucking love my job. I love doing this and I love talking to people. And so for episode five, I'm talking to another person that I absolutely adore the shit out of. Today I'm talking with Megan Jane Crabb to answer all of your questions about feminism, confidence, and body image. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Megan and I have known each other online for quite a while, I'd say a few years, and then she got signed to the same management as me, and we now share the same management team, Diving Bell, who are fucking amazing. All the people on the roster are incredible, and it's an honor to share roster space with her. Megan is such an influence to the body positive community. Her account used to be called at Body Posi Panda. I followed her probably since the inception of my own Instagram account. Megan is a best-selling author, a digital creator and presenter, and she's been vocally advocating for eating disorder recovery, mental health and feminism for way fucking longer than me, for years. She wants all of us to embrace our bodies as they are and know that we're perfect just as we are. Megan has been there for me through a lot of the stuff going on in my life, being a supportive ear, listening to me, giving me great advice. I absolutely adore this woman and I can't wait to sit and chat with her today. Okay, Megan, thank you so much for coming to speak with me today on my podcast. How are you? I'm very good. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm just I'm just so happy every single time I see you and now we both have pink hair and I just I just feel so connected to you. I don't I'm not even mad about it. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you my icebreaker questions mm-hmm. that I ask all of my guests. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh wow. What's one thing that sets your soul on fire? <gasps> singing. Is it okay, singing on your own? Yeah, yeah, it's just that childhood passion. You know, okay. the childhood passion that you convince yourself you shouldn't do anymore because yeah. you're not good enough and then yeah. you reclaim it in adulthood and it actually just makes you really happy. Okay, That's so are, are there moments where you do it, where you feel like it's more... I mean, there's karaoke moments. Okay, yeah. It, I, so you're a performer. I am. Yeah. I am. A little, <laughs> just a little bit of a stage hog, okay, you know. Give me, nice. give me that spotlight, I'll make it work. Okay, so maybe not singing on your own, you'd like to give. I would to be in a girl band okay gorgeous I'm game for that are, okay. you, ga- are you game for that yeah I'm game okay. yeah I'll be on the drums okay yeah <laughs> I Bash see it out. yeah absolutely I see it. okay next question what is the last photo you took 
<laughs> I want to say that I took a photo of my girlfriend's bare ass. <laughs> Oh, she can't be mad about that. No, no. I've seen her put some stuff up of you. Like, Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Okay, next question. What's something that people frequently misunderstand or get wrong about you? It can be deep <gasps> if you want it, or it can just be... I mean, I guess they just think I'm sunshine and rainbows because of my outward appearance mm. uh, without understanding that it's a, it's a strong effort to be uh, sunshine and rainbows outwardly. Yeah. Actually... I'm an emo kid at heart. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a big misconception that it's not been earned through resilience mm. and that it's actually, we make it look effortless, but that's also part of the hard work. For real. Right? And like people who you would call naturally happy, mm. I used to think that they were just ignorant. Like yeah. you're just, ignorance is bliss. You're just going around clueless. That's why mm. you're so happy. No, people work. People work to get to that. And, and that's where I'm at. Okay. And the last question, finish the sentence. I'm still a work in progress when it comes to... Being kind to myself. Okay. Any area in particular? All of them. <laughs> um, I think being less of a perfectionist okay. and just feeling like I have to prove my worth, whether that's like being able to rest or why I deserve opportunities or why okay. I deserve my relationships. Yeah. Just, I, I do because I am. Like, I exist. I'm yes. here in the world. Therefore, I deserve. Yes. Amazing. Okay. So I've received loads of listener questions from my audience who are just dying to ask you questions. Can you give me a hand answering them? I would love to. I love giving advice. <laughs> okay. Very, like, unprofessional advice that we're giving here, but we're just going to go for it. Yeah. I'm unqualified. If something goes wrong, that's on you, That's boo. on you. That's on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey guys, my name is Lydia. I'm 15 and I'm just starting out on my feminist journey. I'm really keen to make a difference, but just not sure how to start. I'd like to make a really big impact and I was wondering if you have any ideas on what I could do and where I could start. Thank you. Love from Lydia. 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 Okay, babe. 15 years. I love knowing that the 15 year old girlies are listening. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Also, like, props on getting to that stage at that age. Like, mm -hmm. you've resisted patriarchal conditioning at 15. Yes. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. I would say anyone that wants to start out with this needs to start small. So when I first started out with my activism and with even voicing my opinions... I would get so caught up in the problems happening all around the world and that you can kind of get into that. You know, you know, when you talk about something happening like with women in the UK and someone goes, well, children in Africa are starving. And it's always this annoying point that's like, and you kind of freeze and like, well, shit, that's true. Maybe I should focus on that. And then it's like, particularly we see it with white people going abroad, fixing things outside when there's so much stuff, you'd be better off having an impact that isn't savioristic. I basically think you should start in your immediate sphere of influence, whether that's the dinner table, whether that's your friendships that you have, people that you actually have a close relationship with, because that's where you have the most power, I think. Mm, speak on it. Yeah, yeah what I'm about with you? you on that. I mean, I would say it's an illusion that you need a massive online platform or you need to make this giant, noisy splash. <laughs> the loudest woman in the room. Exactly. Yeah. You don't need to. I, I really wish that I had known sooner that if you embody your values, if you just try to live by your values day by day, you take the opportunities that are mm. there in, like you said, in your sphere of influence, mm. you will make a difference. I think, yeah, that the, again, unprofessional advice, but can definitely speak from experience that... I, when I started to learn about 
the world and all of the problems going on in the world that no one was talking about, I swung in the complete opposite direction to almost overcompensate. So I became so rageful. I was uh, calling everything out, calling everyone out, calling out my dad for breathing. You know, like, oh, you're a man and you're breathing. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was just, <laughs> How dare you? Definitely an exaggeration. But you get my point. I just went in the complete opposite way. Um, men breathing is... No. Um, so I just went in that direction to overcompensate, to learn from my mistakes. I would just say, go in softly with the people around you and the people that you do have an influence on. And then people that you have an influence on also might be in a bigger position of power of you. Is your mum a teacher? is your brother at university and is friends with loads of the boys who aren't talking about consent and they say weird things, whatever. The people that you talk to might be in positions where they can also influence and it's just like a a gorgeous little domino effect. It is. Do we swear on this podcast? Yes, absolutely. Fucking hell, you're great. (laughs) You're amazing. Like Even where you're at now, you're incredible. Yes. Okay, on to the next question. This is a big one, okay? How do I break to my boyfriend of five years that the body he knows and thinks of as mine is actually the product of disordered eating and his views of fitness are misguided? I was an athlete from the age of five until 17 and it really fucked with my perspective on exercise and food. For example, carbs are only okay if being burned later. Proper training should exhaust and destroy you. Pain is weakness and something to be ignored and overcome, etc. He's aware of this aspect of my life but still comments that he thinks my body today is a product of a healthy, active lifestyle that matches his and tends to view slimness overall as fitness and fatness or weight gain as unhealthy. This could be partially societal conditioning as he has expressed being self-conscious about weight gain and his own body too. But how can I initiate a tough conversation and be a positive influence on his perspective without trying to raise him as my son? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I relate to the misconception of people seeing you as being your best when actually the way that you're attaining that body, that figure, is extremely unhealthy. When I was in high school and I had an eating disorder, girls would always compliment me and be like how do you do it how do you? and I had to lie because what I couldn't tell them was all the methods that I was actually losing that weight yeah big time yeah. and I think that's such a tricky conversation to have with someone who you love mm-hmm. uh, especially it depends where you're at yourself like I would say do not enter that conversation before you are feeling secure in your own recovery and your own healing because my lord you have to protect yourself mm-hmm. and sometimes people say unexpected, unhelpful things. So just make sure that you are in a good place before you initiate that conversation. And I think, you know, he doesn't have to understand fat phobia. He doesn't have to understand the roots of diet culture or or even eating disorders as a general. You can still express that you've had a tricky relationship. This is how you're currently feeling. You're anxious or you're nervous that your body changing might have an impact on the relationship or his perspective. And you can ask for his support and his empathy without having his complete understanding. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. Not demanding that the person be exactly where we are on our information and knowledge about things. It sounds ridiculous because how could you demand that of someone who literally the information hasn't passed their sphere of influence? Right. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think also like you can learn about things together. You know, whether it's your partner or your family or a friend, it can be tricky once you've found that um, 
awareness of diet culture or awareness of disordered eating mm. and you're like how do I bring the people around me with me yeah. you can go on that together you can watch documentaries you can pass along a post you know it can be not like you're teaching him not like you're raising him yes but like you're learning together yeah, absolutely. And then not also be like condescending when you when you talk about this stuff as well. I think one of the weirdest the the weirdest things about when I had an eating disorder was that I was lying to everyone around me. So it sounds like uh, this person has convinced their boyfriend that they're doing it this healthy way. And then it can be really, I know it was confusing for the people around me when I eventually told them about what I was going through. They were like, but you've been telling me, you've been telling me how happy you are, how healthy you are, that you're on this uh, diet, which is a whole thing in itself. And I was like, yeah, I know. And I lied. I lied to you. And that was the most confusing thing, I think, was the, that the people around me didn't see it. So that's like a whole conversation is that um, the people that don't know feel conflicted, that they didn't see the signs before. Um, it's a bit of a... I felt like it was this massive secret I was keeping and it was really shameful. And then when I started telling people, it eventually became this thing that, I didn't have to suffer in silence with. And then that's how I started to get better. It's a brave step, yeah. saying it to anyone. Mm -hmm. Also, babe, choose yourself. Choose yourself in your recovery. Like if it doesn't go to plan, choose yourself. That's, I'll leave that at that. Mm -hmm. I think everyone deserves that, that benefit of the doubt if it's someone that you love and you can tell them and show them this side. But I think after that, if it becomes a pattern where they're just refusing, then that's when you need to choose yourself. Yeah, set a boundary. So, you know, when I, I don't want us to talk about that anymore. I don't want comments about my body to be a thing anymore. Mm. Anyone who loves you will respect that. Hello, Floss. I'm a big fan. My name's Mia Tyre. I was just wondering, how do you know you're dressing for yourself and not for others? Because I find myself dressing up quite often. And even though I do love it, um, I sometimes... I would rather just be comfy, but when I'm not dressed up, I don't feel as if I'm expressing myself properly. Thank you. I think that's very normal to not feel like yourself when you're not expressing yourself. And although I understand and have been literally speaking about this for years about the ways that women are encouraged to dress towards the male gaze and stuff, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to articulate your soul on the outside of your body it's the best fucking feeling when you don't have to say anything to someone but they can just look at you and already get what you're about I think self-expression can it can be influenced by patriarchy and beauty standards and also it can just be an amazing way of expressing yourself yeah and it sounds like well, sounds like you already know the difference. Like you, yeah, you, you, yeah, you kind yeah. of you can sense when you're doing that and when you're not. And I think, like Floss said, you can't completely separate it, right? We are all existing in this culture with patriarchal beauty standards, being convinced that we are objects for other people to look at. And you can't entirely remove that from the way you present yourself. That's not realistic. Even if you're aware of it, we're still living in it. So if you catch yourself doing that, it happens. Like, yeah. don't beat yourself up about that either. You you know, it's not every single day you have to go against every single thing we've been taught all our lives. Megan, what's your journey been like with your body and, and like, dressing your body? And expressing myself? Yeah. Um, I would say, so for the longest time, my style was just about whatever was going to make my body look the smallest. Like, mm. that was my growing up, teenage years. I was very... Kardashian obsessed I just wanted to look like that image of beauty and yeah clothing was 
whatever was going to make me look smaller or enhance my societally approved mm-hmm. parts. My lord, the, the push-up bras, <laughs> wow, yeah, they were a thing. Uh, so that was it for a long time. And then I kind of went completely against that because I realised that clothing should be fun, it should be expression. Mm-hmm. I personally think that colour is like the the best thing about having vision. Like Colour is like the best thing. And so I went completely the other way and just started dressing uh, like a, a toddler with access to a bank account. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'm repping a bit of that today. Like we've yes, got some toddler chic, yes. yeah, uh, which I, which I, I, I enjoy. I enjoy that. And and I don't know now. I guess I'm on a bit of an evolution. I'm moving more into my like power bitch suit era. Yes. I think. Okay, nice. You made this amazing Instagram post, uh, many amazing Instagram posts, but one recently about it was it was a two part carousel, and you did the same message but said in different ways. Where you said you don't have to wear the dress if you're going to always think about your stomach mm. and you shouldn't... What was it? Amazing memory. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, because I loved it. I sent it to one of my friends. Oh, bless yeah, you. Yeah. So it was like me in a bodycon dress, like skin tight, never would have worn it back when I, you know, was so self-conscious of my body. And it just said, you don't need a flat stomach to wear the dress, but also you don't have to wear the dress if you're just going to be thinking about your stomach. And that's the bit I loved. Yeah. Because that is also horrific mm-hmm. and, and and then you're doing it and and you've got all these um all the body confidence feminist women in your head saying you shouldn't be feeling like this when you wear the dress but you do so there's like always for me there's always been this dichotomy of uh how I'm actually feeling in my body and then how I think I should feel and those not marrying up and then there's more tension exactly and yeah. like obviously discomfort sometimes discomfort is necessary for growth you have to push back but not everyday discomfort no <laughs> like some days just just give yourself a break all right yeah, live yeah. your life be comfortable Okay, thank you so much for sending in that voice note. On to the next question. My question is how to be sensible and respectful of people in bigger bodies and minorities when you have an Instagram account promoting body acceptance while being cis, white, able-bodied and a thin female. I want to create a page for all the conversations and all the bodies, but at the end of the day, my experiences will be that of a thin white woman and I don't want to disrespect anyone by talking about insecurities that I have and bodies like mine. Big fucking question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big question. I mean, I would say, like, you're going to get a different answer to this depending on who you ask. Yeah. There are very much people who would listen to this question and be like, well, you shouldn't be doing it then. Like, you just shouldn't. You shouldn't take up that space. You should mm-hmm. just be silent. Um, and I've I've probably been that person at certain points, but I come from a different perspective. I come into this space from an eating disorder background and I have certain privileges. I'm kind of in the middle of a lot of things uh, in terms of my size, my skin colour, sexuality, all of these things. And I would come at this kind of more in the middle as well. I think there is still a way that you can have the conversation, still amplify other voices, still use your platform to point out um, what other people are going for, to talk about your privilege while not making that the only thing that you talk about. Mm. I think at the end of the day, the way that I see body positivity now encompasses both body image and body politics. So body image is individual, it's what you're feeling on the inside, and everyone is impacted by body image. And it Mm. doesn't matter the privileges that you have, you can still have be having a shit time internally with how you feel about yourself. And then on the other side of that, there's the way that society treats certain people and their bodies. And that's body politics. And there's no denying the reality of that. That needs to be talked about. Uh, But both of these things, for me, are a part of body positivity. 
Okay, interesting. I love the distinction between body image, so how you perceive yourself, and that would come under the umbrella, I'm assuming, of body dysmorphia as well, and anyone could experience that. And then there's everyone can have body dysmorphia, and yet only a handful of people actually receive um, different treatment to their bodies. So there's like how you perceive yourself and then how the rest of the world perceives yourself. So there would be... um, someone like me, I could really not be comfortable with my body. And then a fat woman could be really uncomfortable with her body, but we both have completely different experiences with that. Exactly. And and you can recognise that, you can know you have different experiences while neither invalidating the other. Mm. And, you know, maybe we are at a point where, where that person should have more of the platform, right? Should mm. have the mic more. But that doesn't mean you have nothing to add and mm. you are not valid in how you feel at all. And you know what? Some people aren't going to think that you should be there. And that's that. Yes. Some people yeah. are, are not going to agree. Um, stand in your values. Know know your intentions. Mm. And be honest with yourself uh, about about how you're using your platform and about your privilege. And that's, that's all you can do. Okay, amazing. On to the next question. How do you reset after a challenging body image episode? I mean, recognize that challenging body image days are part of it. Mm. No one just hits acceptance and then every day is like, woo, I'm the hottest bitch alive. Mm -hmm. That's not realistic. You are still living in a fatphobic diet culture drenched society. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to answer this question with with hindsight because when I'm going through it, I just kind of tell myself, I know that this is temporary. It's passing through my body. It's passing through my mind. It's not me. And then a couple of days later, I can't even recognize the version of myself that had those thoughts. And then also I just kind of remind myself of the value that I bring to people's lives, the people around me, and kind of refocus it back onto that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just getting creative sometimes for me. Yeah, you're right. The first the first thing you have to forgive yourself. Like you have to give yourself grace. Like you said, you're only going to make it worse if you double down and beat yourself up, make yourself feel like shit for feeling like shit. <laughs> so forgive yourself and then I would say yeah, reground. Reground yourself in the things that uh, give you positive body image, whether that's, you know, you go and reread a book, you re-listen to a podcast, mm. you talk to some some friends who are on the same page as you. Just get yourself back grounded in the things that make you feel better about yourself. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So... 
You want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hello. Hello. Hi, Carmela. Oh my God, you're on. Hello. Can you see us? I can. You can. <laughs> Hi. Hi. What would you like to ask us today? Okay, so my question for today for both of you is how do you cope with um, accepting your body in your late 20s is not the same as your body in your teens? So I'm 26 at the moment. I've got new stretch marks popping up everywhere <laughs> that I never used to. And I just find it hard to not look back at my body when I was 18 and 19 and not get sad really that I don't look like that person anymore and feeling a sense of failure kind of not for me being able to maintain that body and appearance I had when I was that age great question and I'm just going to jump in and say that our cultural relationship with youth is just as fucked up as our cultural relationship with thinness right mm. we we idolize we canonize youth and and we're sold youth at every turn so of course we think that we have to look at 26 the way that we did when we were 16 mm. but that's absurd that's an absurd expectation your body carries everything that you've been through it carries you it's meant to change and grow and develop in different ways over time. It's just such an unrealistic expectation that we should look the same way we did 10 years ago mm -hmm. because I bet nothing else about you is the same as it was 10 <laughs> years ago. I am not the same person I was 10 years ago. So why so the true. hell would my body be, so be static? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying anything fucking revolutionary here, <laughs> but the beauty standards for men and women are so different. And I'm not going to blanket statement it. And I, I know that some men will deal with the same issue for different mm. reasons. But it's not a topic of conversation that they have at brunch, is it? No. Like about how their bodies are changing and how have you tried this new tip? Have you tried this new thing? They're not being sold all of these ways to keep in shape so that they don't ruin their looks over age. No, they get to age like a fucking fine wine. <laughs> so I just think what empowers me sometimes is to see the absurdity of it, as Megan pointed out, is to see that it is another tool of sexism yes. and another way that we're encouraged to view our bodies as things to be looked at and not things to be lived in. And something that I realised over maybe this summer or the last summer is that Two of the biggest things I'm supposed to enjoy in my life, sex and summer, are two of the things that I get most anxious about because my body is most exposed during them. Like, those are two of the best things <laughs> on earth. So the fact that I'm most anxious yeah. about them because I've been fooled into thinking that my body is to be looked at, not lived in. Sex and summer, like, when the sun's out, you want to feel it on your skin, you want to go to the beach, you want to have fun. Sex is supposed to be so fucking pleasurable and amazing. And yet, I'm always thinking about how I look. So sometimes, sometimes it helps to make it humorous and sometimes it helps to realize that it is a trick um and a, something that's tricking you into like yeah not being happy yeah and not not being in your body yeah fuck that yeah fuck <laughs> that fuck that <laughs> Also, Carmela, on a practical, like, if your head is piping up with all the ways that your body... 
piping up with all the ways that your body is different and all the ways that that's negative. Just fucking shout back with all the ways that you've changed for the better over the last 10 years. Yeah. Write a list of all the ways you are wiser and stronger and what you have learned because those things, I promise you, are more important than whatever aging and gravity is doing yeah. to your body. Which, by the way, it's doing to mine too. <laughs> I hope we answered your question. We did. That was beautifully put by both of you. Thank you. Next question. How does being creative, for example, writing, making art or doing anything that requires you to spend time in your head, help develop a relationship with yourself and your body? Well, actually, Megan made a really good point earlier about not spending too much time in your head, which is what I think I do a lot of. And I don't think about that often until someone like yourself reminds me of how much I spend in my head. It's definitely a a coping preventative measure that I give myself because I can intellectualise myself out of any feeling if you give me like long enough. So I think a way that being creative, um, writing or making art could help develop a relationship with you and your body could be to help you understand the sensations going on in your body. Um, Sometimes labels can help you. Sometimes finding art, if I find a word that perfectly explains how I'm feeling, I can Google it and then I can understand, but then again, I'm in my head. So maybe I'm not the best person to answer this question. (laughs) I mean, it's a big question. It's a big question that perhaps would be better answered by like, I don't know, a somatic therapist or someone. someone. Professional. However, however, (laughs) I mean, I would say that the key to any creative endeavor being helpful for you mentally and physically is that you have to do it without judgment for yourself. Like just just let it out, Mm. just be free with it. And, and it can reveal things about who you are and how you feel. And and that way it is, it is helpful. That's the only way it works. On to the next question. Megan, who hosts your twerk class? I want to (laughs) come. Uh, you absolutely should come. Twerk class is a blast. The vibes are immaculate. Uh, at the moment, the main class I go to is called Twerk After Work. It's run by a woman called Bammy, who is Iconic. an absolute legend. Twerk After Work. I, I, I love it. I love her. Um, abs- come along. Come shake your butt next to me. <laughs> Amazing. This goes for you too. Yes. Why haven't you come to no, my twerk I know, class? I know. Uh, courage. A lack of courage. <laughs> Honestly. That's okay. why I'm, I'm like watching you. I'm like, wow. Okay. Next question. Who do you follow on social media that helps you? Oh. I think that's changed over the years for me. For, for sure. Yeah. You were actually one of the first people I followed on social media. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I started my Instagram four or five years ago, when you had a completely different username, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I definitely, I followed you. I followed loads of other people that I still follow. Um, hmm, it's changed. I would say a few of my top follows, Lizzo. You have to follow Lizzo. It's mm, just a fact of life. Joy. If you have social media, why are you not following Lizzo? Bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Kenzie Brenner is brilliant. Uh, talks a lot about body acceptance and, and also just mental health and the internet. So Kenzie is great. Uh, there's some brilliant people. You know what you should actually do? If you have even one person who makes you feel good about yourself, go onto their page and then click on like the little arrow that suggests accounts like theirs. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to find people. On to the next question. This is the last question. Ooh. Megan, what has caring for your sister Gemma revealed to you about how the body positivity movement can be more inclusive of disabled people? 
So anyone listening who who doesn't know my sister, she's called Gemma. She has cerebral palsy. I've been part of her care team for like 10 years, longer than I've been doing the internet. And she teaches me things all the time. Like she teaches me the importance of joy and smiling and laughter. And and she teaches me that your productivity is not your worth. Like sometimes I'm beating myself up about how much I've created in a certain day. And then I can be like, wait a minute, that's ableist as fuck. Because if like disabled people... Can't, are not necessarily being productive in the way that society praises in that capitalist mindset way where you're producing something that's uh, financially profitable for someone else. And so I can challenge myself based on knowing wow. that my sister has immense value, immeasurable value, even if she's not quote unquote productive. And in terms of the the body positive movement, I just... You know, there are ways we can be more inclusive. Events can always be more accessible. Even social media posts can always be more accessible with captioning and with image descriptions and things like that. Um, and if if you're if you're an individual, just make sure you're following people from the disabled community. They can tell you better than I can. They're mm. amazing and, and and brilliant. That's such an amazing point about productivity. Mm-hmm. That's amazing and not something I've thought about before. Thank you so much, Megan. That's that's all the questions that we have. It's been such a fucking joy sitting here talking to you. Yeah, I love spending time with you. Yeah, me too. You're a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in questions. I love spending time with Megan. Oh my God, I've wanted to do an episode with her for so long and I think she's fucking amazing at giving advice and you should absolutely follow her on Instagram. She is incredible. She's written books herself. Her content is amazing. I love her Instagram reels and she is just such a colourful, joyful person. We all need a little bit of Megan in our lives. Thank you so much again to everyone who sent in questions. I'm so sorry we couldn't answer them all. If you've enjoyed listening, then please do share it with your friends. To keep updated with all of the latest episodes as they drop, you can follow exactly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember, every fifth episode of these mini-series, we want to hear from you. If you would like to speak to me and my guests, you can get in touch with us on WhatsApp. And a massive thank you to the incredible Black Honey who composed the original theme music for the show. They're fucking amazing. You can find them on Instagram at at BlackHoneyUK. This is a Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment production. My producer is Millie Charles. Assistant producer is Ella McLeod. Executive producer is Carly Mayle. And the production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I want to give a special thanks to Chris Skinner, Jonathan Imieri, Ryan O'Meara and Teddy Riley for additional production. And thanks to our engineers, Jay Beale, Josh Gibbs and mix engineer, Gulliver Tickle.